0: Welcome to the Christian Formation Podcast. I'm Raven and I'm here with Jared, one of the pastors here at Providence. The goal of this podcast is to form disciples who live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. Today, we're discussing health during the holidays with a special focus on
1: being yourself.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back.
1: What's up, Raven? How you doing?
0: Great. Oh, my word. Jared, guess what I did this weekend? What? I got my colors done. Okay. (laughs) What are they? I'm so excited about it, you guys. It sounds so superficial, but I was thinking about it on my way in this morning, and I was like... Man, I feel like the Lord really blessed me with those.
1: With the colors?
0: Yeah. So basically colors or like color theory, I guess, is something where someone has you try in a bunch of different color swatches and they tell you basically what looks better on you.
1: If it looks bad, how ruthless are they to you?
0: Um. Well, for example, the lady put on olive green, which as you know, I normally wear all the time. And she goes, this is something you'll want to wear if you want people to come up to you and ask, are you tired today? Are you feeling okay?
1: (laughs) Is that what you usually go for?
0: You know, it's not. And so I was like, okay. But she's super fun, super great. I loved it. It's something that's a little bit more expensive, but my parents have waited the last two years so that they could purchase it for me. And they did, which was really sweet.
1: That is pretty amazing. So I have couple friends who've done the color thing. Uh, Most of them are females, but... (laughs) They talk about it all the time and then they try to guess what my colors might be. Mm-hmm. And so now when I get dressed every Sunday morning, I think, are they going to judge me for wearing <laughs> colors that are not my colors? And so there's a new level of anxiety about oh, going into Sundays and Lord. preaching sermons because what if my colors aren't right when I'm up there?
0: Ah, uh, Well, it doesn't matter. I feel like at the end of the day, even if something's <laughs> not your color, you just have to be yourself and be like, okay, this is what I feel comfortable in and this is what I like.
1: But what if I look horrible?
0: Well, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. The whole thing has been really helpful for me because I thought I looked good and stuff, but I wasn't feeling good. I feel like if you don't look great, you kind of feel it or you feel like it's kind of off. Whereas I feel like the colors you wear are definitely you and they don't look bad.
1: I'm feeling so encouraged right now. Oh
0: my word, you don't sound encouraged. But I think it really does come down to what you enjoy wearing. And even if it's not your color, if you enjoy it. You should wear it.
1: In sports, there's just saying, look good, play good. Mm. Like, if you got uniforms that look good, then you're just like ready to go.
0: Hey, I think that's great. Do you feel like if you dress up, you're being a lesser version of yourself? Like, you're not being your true self?
1: Well, it just kind of depends on the setting.
0: Yeah. Like, if you're trying to be someone else kind of thing?
1: Yeah. I mean, Maybe. I never wear sweatpants to church, though. (laughs)
0: Oh My word. Great reference. But speaking of being yourself and feeling like yourself today, we're talking about health for the holidays with a special emphasis on being yourself. And Jared has been really passionate about spiritual health, especially ever since he read the book Gentle and Lowly, which if you all remember, he actually did a podcast with us over that book.
1: How many months ago was that?
0: Oh, my word. Probably three or so, maybe four. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a minute.
1: So, Dane Ortland, who wrote that book, well, so I read through it and then grabbed the book and read through it with our staff again, mm-hmm. just did it multiple times. And now I've been thumbing through it again and picked up another book of his, which is great. And it just like, it speaks to your soul and mm. it speaks to like, it speaks to a weary soul. And I feel like I've, you know, experienced some weariness over the last years. And so, I have loved it. It's great. Been life-giving. The launching off point is from this passage in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, that says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly, the Mm -hmm. name of the book, gentle (laughs) and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Just a little section of scripture that's been powerful to me for years and years and years and years for many reasons and so the book is good I would suggest if you don't have it go buy it by the way a little caveat if you are coming on here and expecting health for the holidays to be about a workout plan and <laughs> um, some paleo recipes from my house that I use I truly apologize because we're not <laughs> talking about that But we are talking about rest. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. But if you want some of those recipes, I bet Jared and Carrie would love to give them to
1: you. Send me an email. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we're specifically focusing on spiritual health and a lot of it stems out of what Jared's read from Gentle and Lowly, but also what the Lord has taught Jared just through understanding that passage in Matthew and giving practical follow up to it. Because, Jared, for me, when I read Gentle and Lowly, I was like, I want practical. But it's not necessarily Mm. in there. It's more understanding the heart posture. And so, yeah, I'm excited for what you have because it really gets at the practical, too.
1: Yeah, totally. I think that one of the reasons why that book is huge and why it has, like, made waves around, like, the church in, I mean, I think all over the world, really is because there are a lot of people that are feeling worn down. There are a lot of people that are feeling kind of beat up by the world, people that feel tired and weary. And the thing is, is that as you read through this passage, it's pretty clear that Jesus promises us something. Mm -hmm. There is a promise in here, and it says it a couple times in in these three verses in Matthew 11. And if you know it, or you were listening to me read it before, the thing he promises is rest. And it's like, okay, wait, well, I'm feeling crazy tired. You're feeling tired. There's a sense in which a lot of people are just talking about how exhausted they are. And Jesus offers rest. So it's like, okay, wait. Jesus is offering us exactly what we need. What is the cure for weariness? What's the cure for despair? What's the cure for being exhausted? It's rest. Well, Mm -hmm. where do we find rest? It's in Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And so, that was a starting point for me to try to start thinking, okay, so what are some of the things that get in the way of us finding rest. You know, if you imagine Jesus standing like five feet away from you and he is looking at you and he's quoting these verses to you, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden or in in the NIV, I think it says, those who are weary and burdened, and you know find rest I will give you rest well he's standing there yet so many of us continue to feel weary we continue to feel exhausted. What is it exactly that's keeping us from finding rest
0: right yeah I'm sitting here I'm like, tell me what is it?
1: <laughs> well now just to give a little caveat before we go if you were to talk about the fullness of what brings, rest and how to find spiritual health like you could probably spend months talking about this you could take a class on it you know and it would take forever we're going to just talk about a couple things and talk about a couple things over the next couple weeks and the thing that you mentioned which sounds a little self-helpy but don't be triggered by that it's to be you And it might not be the first thing that comes to mind when you think about uh, finding rest. But uh, I think for me, in my story, it was one of the things that I discovered that was massively helpful in finding rest in Jesus. So we planted our church a little over four years ago. We started the process of planting a little over five years ago. So we've been in this for a while. We planted as a part of a a network of churches called the City Light Family. And if you're familiar, if you're in Omaha or in the area and you know City Light Churches, there's just a lot of movement happening and there's a lot of amazing, dynamic leaders that are in the City Light family. Um, Two of them are good friends of mine, and they were over at City Light Omaha, Chris and Gavin. I've been friends with them for over 10 years, and they were one of the sending churches that sent us out. Well, so we planted a church, And you kind of wonder, hey, are we going to have a crazy success story where our church grows from zero to a thousand in a year or two years? Well, that didn't happen. You know, we had a couple hundred people and we would gather with City Light pastors. We have this rhythm of gathering once a month to celebrate what God is doing and just to encourage each other. We gathered kept going to these monthly gatherings and as i was watching other people lead i would see someone like a chris who has a very like charismatic kind of brings like this electricity to the room and i'm like ooh. i I want that. And then you see someone like uh, a Gavin who has this winsome way that he can like string together words and preach sermons that are just like kind of mind blowing. And then, you know, there's other people around the room that you're like, oh, they just like hear the voice of God. I want that. Or there's just this command to their presence or somebody else, you know, is all into the details of their great writers. And I'm looking around and I'm seeing all these people and I start to try to like mimic what they're doing. Well, over the course of the first two years of planting, I noticed that going to those meetings, I started to not enjoy them. As a matter of fact, I started to kind of hate it. And I started to like look at the people around and I started to judge them and be angry. And I'm like, "I, I actually don't like these meetings and I don't really like being around these people. Well, that's exactly the opposite of what we were supposed to be doing while we we're there. Through some self-examination and my soul kind of feeling like it was shriveling up over the course of a couple years of planting, I realized that I was putting pressure on myself to be what I was not. And so I was trying to be charismatic like Chris. I was trying to be winsome like Kevin. I was trying to be spirit-filled like another, you know, so all of these things. And it was just absolutely killing my soul. So in a sense of trying to be someone else, it just, it killed me.
0: Yeah. Why do you think that spurred on a feeling of resentment or being judgmental of others? Why do you think that was the natural end result before you decided okay this needs to change
1: a couple things one is that it's it's just exhausting and when you try to be something you're not it's like you're swimming upstream so if you ever like stood in a river before we used to go tubing down a river as a family we would always like walk out into the river and try to like walk upstream and it's so incredibly hard you know it's just like trudging one step at a time and when you are trying to be someone you're not it is essentially like trying to walk upstream. And you're walking upstream and the current is going the other direction. And so, you are completely relying on your own wiring, your own strength, but yet you're going against the current of who you are. Plus, you're not relying on Jesus because that's not how he's created you. It's not how he's equipped you. It's not how he's trying to form you or who he's trying to form you to be. I had to kind of reckon with, if I'm coming here and I'm like criticizing everyone else, but yet everyone else is walking around and joy-filled, like, is it them with the problem or is it maybe (laughs) me with the problem? Hmm, That's
0: really good. And I'm glad that you asked yourself that because you could have easily disengaged, walked away, and then your heart would have hardened as a result. So once you realized, okay, maybe it's me that has a problem, what was your next step?
1: Well, repentance for one, that's helpful. This all happened kind of in story form, so it wasn't a super mechanical thing, but there was a pastor I found, it was a random story, but essentially I discovered this pastor and started listening to his sermons. And I'm like, man, this guy is very different, but I love listening to this. And I saw this picture of how he was leading. And the thing that I noticed about him is his temperament and his wiring was very similar to me, kind of a, you know, a pastor, kind of a caring shepherd of sorts and had a chill, not like a, like a crazy dynamic, boisterous personality, but kind of a, just a chill wiring. And I'm like, oh, I realized in that moment, God kind of smacked me over the head and said, hey, I've created you to be you. And that is like, okay, and that's good enough. And I like that. And there's a way that if you are you, you can actually be utilized for the kingdom of God. And so that sent me in this place of like, oh, like all this pent up weird emotions toward people, all of this exhaustion is wrapped up in me trying to be someone I'm not. And Jesus is asking me to come to him for rest. In Gentle and Lowly, Dane Ortland, I can't remember what chapter it's in, he has this paragraph. And he says, how does he feel about you? Talking about Jesus. How does he feel about you? His saving you is a matter of yearning, not yearning for the Facebook you, not the you that you wish you were, but yearning for the real you, the you underneath everything you present to others. And when you come to him with that you, there's a sense in which you can actually accept the invitation to come and find rest in him. Yeah, it was a, an incredible transformation of me realizing like, oh, this is going to go way better if I come to Jesus as me. And then he can actually empower me to be who I'm created to be.
0: I love the fact that he used someone in a similar circumstance as you to show you, hey, you're really wired similarly to this person to show you, wow, God loves me for me. He has wired me a certain way and it's just a really sweet, gracious way that he did it. Mm. I don't know. I just keep thinking, man, just the love that he has to show you and give you that realization rather than continuing to allow your heart to harden or get upset or bitter. He allowed you to understand that and then bring you to a place of... Humble repentance, Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, there was some follow-up work I had to do. I apologized to a couple people. I just felt like, okay, I just need to do this. Like, it's not okay. Even though a lot of it was in my, you know, in my own head of what I was thinking, I'm like, that's not okay. Like, I was like, I'm sitting against these people. And I think one of the biggest realizations that I had was that we always talk about how much God loves us. Like, hey, Jesus loves you. And that's absolutely true. I think for a lot of us, it's harder for us to imagine that Jesus likes us. Mm. Like he likes who we are. He likes how he created you. You're probably a little bit quirky. I'm not saying you Raven, but maybe you Raven (laughs) and maybe other people that are like, he likes you and he likes your quirks. He likes how he created you and he likes walking beside you, even as you're struggling through whatever you're struggling through and he likes to see you fumble and bumble through it like i think about uh, last year we bought a t-ball set for our family we bought this tea we bought these balls and this bat and we had we have four kiddos and our oldest three were trying to figure out how to hit this thing and it was a I mean, it's a disaster, right? <laughs> they're whiffing the ball. Right. They're nailing the tee and knocking it over. <laughs> yeah. The ball's falling on the ground. They try to put the ball back up. And it's just like they are the farthest thing from professionals you could imagine. <laughs> and then they would swing and turn around, fall down as they're doing a 360 after whiffing the ball. <laughs> but it's a joy to watch them try to figure out how to hit the ball. And as we are fumbling and bumbling and heaping condemnation on ourselves, we think, and I'm not doing good in this and I wish I wasn't doing good in this. Could it be that Jesus, because he likes you and he's gracious and he loves you, that he's actually overjoyed watching you try to figure this thing out? We're never that compassionate with ourselves, never that gracious with ourselves. And I think Jesus has a compassionate, gracious posture because he loves us and he likes us. That we don't consider that could be massively life-giving and helpful and Mm. restful for us.
0: Yeah, that's so good. And I love what you said that we believe that Jesus loves us, but it's different to actually think that he likes us too. Mm. It gives a friendship aspect to
1: Jesus. Yeah, totally. We work in ministry and I think it's easy to like look around in ministry and try to become something, but I think it's something that is like relatable for anyone in any stage of life. Think about how this logically works. We follow people on Instagram, and there's these influencers, and they're like experts in their area. You know, my wife follows people who are like hair experts, and then they're, you know, food cooking experts, and then there's the, you know, Bible teacher girl expert, and then the fun, crazy traveler (laughs) adventure, like all these people. And we're looking at all these people, and by nature, then you're Looking in the mirror and saying, Hey, am I like this person? Well, how is it going to go if you take these people who have created a lifetime of success in one specific lane and then you're comparing yourself to all these people? You are going to like kill yourself with condemnation and heaping judgment and trying to be other people when there's no possible way that you could ever live up to that standard.
0: Right. Totally. And I think about the women's conference that I went to this last weekend. One of the women at the table said, I just have such a hard time of comparing my family to other families. Same thing. They see the highlight reel and they think, wow, that family's perfect and mine just isn't. Or like you were saying, you look at this guru who has spent so many hours perfecting their craft, learning about it. And you think, if only I had that many followers, or if only I was as far ahead as that person. And it does just continue this, honestly, discontent within your heart.
1: Yeah. And so then we're trying to look at whether it's when we're making New Year's resolutions in a few weeks, or we're just trying to figure out who we're trying to become, or like we put pressure to like grow into this superhuman. And my question that i wrestle with and that i think is helpful for people to wrestle with is the simple question like who are you trying to become are you trying to become something that god is actually trying to form you to be so you essentially you're pitting two questions against each other the first one is who are you trying to become And then the other one is, who is God actually trying to form you to be?
0: Mm, That's really good. And if you are focused on the latter question of who God is trying to form you to be, and you're getting all of these other opinions, thoughts, and condemnation that you're heaping on yourself because you're looking at everyone else, how is he supposed to tell you who he wants you to be if you're becoming just a really sad version of yourself, comparing yourself to so many other people?
1: Yeah. And I think that if you can like relax and understand who you are and understand the way that God has gifted you and the small like steps of obedience and faith that he's inviting you into, God's probably not trying to form you to be some sort of superhuman or like crazy influencer. And that's okay with him. He created you to be who he's created you to be. There is a freedom in that. And I will say I'm 40. I don't know if you knew that, (laughs) but it took me a long, long time to figure that out, and it's really hard to like come to terms. And there's there's a sense of self discovery in your twenties and even into your thirties that it's hard to settle into who like who exactly God has created you to be. And I still feel like I'm trying to figure that out. But I think, man, if you can like shed some of that, like, hey, who am I trying to be? That's just not really me. If you can shed that, it will allow you to come to. Jesus honestly to be able to actually find rest like bring your burdens to him like even the ways that you've pretended bring those things to him and allow him to form you into who he's trying to create you to be as opposed to trying to be someone you're not
0: yeah that's good and I know my mind and heart are wondering this so just to wrap up how would you actually encourage people to start shedding this facade of who they're trying to be and actually understanding who God's made them to be?
1: That's a good question. And it's a hard question. And I think that first of all, just asking yourself that question and just observing like throughout the course of a day or the next few weeks. But if you really want to do the deep work of figuring this out, it will probably best come if you take someone who knows you well, who's older than you and has a sense of maturity about them and you sit down and ask them like, hey, so I'm wrestling with this. I'm feeling a little exhausted or I'm feeling a struggle in my soul because I just don't like, I feel like I might be trying to pretend or whatever. Can you try to help me navigate through this? And so just ask somebody hey, what do you see in me? What are my giftings? What are my wirings? Who am I? Who am I not? And let them kind of help guide that process. I think it could be really helpful because outside eyes are always helpful for feedback.
0: Oh, for sure. And if you don't have someone like that, reach out to Jared and I, and we could connect you with someone in the church because I think we have a lot of people in the church that would be willing to do that. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you would add, I guess, to those two? One would be self-analyzing to try and figure out, okay, what am I seeing in myself that I'm trying to be something I'm not? Two, going to someone who is older, wiser, that could really give you an honest opinion of who you are and your giftings. But three, what would that be?
1: I mean, I think it's just the humble heart to actually like repent of the times where you're trying to do something that you're not and then actually coming to Jesus. So, and when I say repentance, it's one thing to acknowledge something in your head and say, oh, that's not right. Oh, I'm trying to do that again. That's not actually repentance. Repentance is he's inviting us to come to him. So, you're turning from that and you're saying, no, Jesus, I trust that who you've created, it's a 180, right? I trust who you've created me to be is good enough for you. So, it's good enough for me. And so, there's kind of a, a relational bent to that repentance of actually spending time with Jesus, repenting of the things that you've tried to become, and then just resting in Him, letting Him speak into that a little bit.
0: Thank you for joining us today. The goal of the Christian Formation podcast is to form disciples who live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. If you want to find out more about us, check us out at providenceomaha.org. And if you have podcast topics, comments, or questions, please email us at at formationatprovidenceomaha.org. We'll see you next week.